0: Hello, this is Gidon Rothstein, and this is Parakaf Aleph of Sefer Mishlei, Chapter 21 of the Book of Mishlei. Today's uh, commentator is Rashi. Rashi's comments are somewhat briefer, and therefore I might allow myself more leeway to make my own comments a little bit, but let's see how the paragraf goes. First, Pesach Aleph, The heart of a king is in the hands of God like waves of water to whatever direction he wants to. He directs it to whatever wherever he wants to. So Rashi doesn't comment on this, and I will not spend a lot of time on it. And I will note that Rabbi who's not a commentator for today, says something that is it is uh, a deeply interesting idea to try to apply. He just says it here, but he says that kings have very little free will, relatively little free will. Because their decisions are so significant and so important, God will more often step in and deny them their free will. Now that carries with it, that comment carries with it the whole idea that Hashem might only allow us free will to the extent that our actions will not in some permanent and not irrevocable, but permanent and particularly damaging way hurt the course of history that Hashem has in mind. And it has a whole lot of ramifications for the notion of free will and the interplay between free will and providence that we can't take up here, but it is a Deeply significant Pasuk, and then deeply significant Rebbe in terms of how he handles it. Pasuk Bet, Kol Derech uh, Ishi Yashar Be'enav and Dochey Nibot Another challenging Pasuk, not from Rebbe but just from reading it. All the ways of a man seem right to him, but the Lord probes the mind. Called Derech Ishi Yashar Be'enav. Meaning we have strong tendencies, all of us, to self-justification. And then the question of, we always see ourselves as being right, and yet yeah, Hashem is tochem libot, Hashem really knows what's going on inside of us and knows the full picture, and He and Hashem will judge us in a broader way than we might sometimes be aware of, and we therefore need to approach our sense of self-justification with some suspicion, because we all have the tendency to do that. Called derech ish, But Hashem will see through our... Veneers, uh, of self-certification through our veneers of claiming that we really had this intention or that intention. Hashem will see through all of that and judge us accordingly to what the truth really is. Doing justice and righteousness is more choice to Hashem than a zevach, than a sacrifice. This just, is just one of the central themes of Nivim in general, that Nivim had the hardest time getting across, and Shlomo Melch just said it's straight out, but the question would be how to get people to be, to believe in it, even in our times. You can find many people, I'm not saying all, but you certainly can find many people, for whom ritual carries more sense of religiosity than doing justice and charity and righteousness and just being honest and straightforward and proper and appropriate in all our actions and making sure that the poor have what they need and taking care of all sorts of needs like that. Pasigdaled Rumeim R Khavl Nir Khatat The JPS has and a proud heart, the tillage of the wicked is sin- sinful. Here Rashi finally comes in to say that Rumaynaim means Gasut Ruach. So Rumaynaim, they have, uh, the JPS have haughty looks, but is saying it's Gasut Ruach, it's a coarseness of spirit or a sense of yourself as being more important than you are. or Lev, and a proud heart is what the JPS has, but Rashi understands Rakhav also in Perkevot. The Rachav is somebody who just enjoys satisfying their desires. And that's near shivrushaim, meaning that's what they plow for, that's what they think about, they're thinking to fill their desires, and that in and of itself has some sinful aspect to it. This is a difficult topic that I'm not intending to expand upon, but a difficult topic, especially in our times, when the sense of fulfilling your own desires seems to be upheld as a very high ideal. So that needs to be balanced against what, that we should be thinking about building lives of service to God and how we can best serve God. And that, I think, is something embedded in this Rashi here. The fact that somebody has a sense of, well, I do what I want and it's about me and about my desires and that focus on self, I think, is what Rashi is implying and suggesting can be dangerous and is something that Shlomo Hamalach is letting us know should be combated or at least balanced out. With an awareness of others and awareness of the need to serve Hashem in proper ways. Pasuk Hay that up sort of a a is Yashar, a straightforward person, an honest person, a person with integrity, who walks truthfully. lemotar. All of his thoughts are going to be in ways that will create that will create success and profit not financial profit, success and profit, in the in the in the ultimately meaningful ways of doing the right thing, of serving God properly, uh, in all those ways. Whereas v'chol atz ach so atz the JPS, as it is, all rash haste makes only for loss. In which case, that is a puzzle that you might imagine somebody translating as haste makes weights. <laughs> atz ach haste makes weights. <waste. laughs> Rashi, however, says on atz dochik et a phrase that means really that somebody who pushes the time, in other words, tries to get things done when they're not ready to be done, when they're not supposed to be done, and that is going to cause loss. And so it's not the haste that's making the waste, it's the attempt to, to shape or to twist, to bend a course of events to what this person particularly wants and that's an example so that would be if you want to put it back into Puzzle Dalit as well it's an example of focusing on your own uh, your own intent as to what history is supposed to look like your own intent as to what the world is supposed to look like that Raji says will eventually lead to loss again it's sharp contrast to what we have in western society where those who manage to tame the forces around them are seen as the highest ideal rather than being process oriented of act properly and appropriately at all times we often are very Results oriented. So therefore, those we see who create successful, thriving businesses, we assume that they have done the right thing. But Rashi here, I think, is implying, not, he doesn't know anything about our society. But, somebody who pushes things too hard. Now, innovators often have to do that. So that's again a balanced question, a question of how to put it all together. But that's what this Pusik is, that's the aspect of it this Pusik is bringing up for us to start considering as well. Pusik hevel Treasures acquired by a lying tongue, hevel nidaf are like driven vapor heading for extinction, although JPS admits that the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain. Tsarashi uh, says that if you try to increase your fortune, falsely, with false words, it will be a hevel nidaf. It will just... Uh, it'll it'll go away quickly and it will be it'll be muvakshimavid. It'll lead you to into paths of death and of destruction for you. So sitting from where I am right now in the in the current environment, that is the kind of thing that you think about. a guy like uh, Madoff, assuming that everything that's said about him is true, where he creates his great fortunes, uh, but he does it all through lies and that it eventually goes away. Unfortunately, for human learning and for human awareness of good and what's valuable about good, the time frame of this M'vaksha of these leading to death or destruction, is long enough that people can be fooled into thinking, you know, this is the way to go, this is the right way thing to do. So that's a question always about integrity that we we're seeing emphasized here that I also wonder about as a lost value within Western society and in terms of the Jewish society as a personal story I years ago somebody telling me and they were apparently prophetic because I have not in in the end ended up in the shul rabbinate for all that I had wanted to and that I would still theoretically want to although there are many complicating factors different discussion in any case somebody said to me oh, you're too honest so I don't make any cl- great claims to honesty I hope it's true I would love to think that it's true I would uh, pray that I, I succeed at being honest and having some integrity but but the, that's what's underlying here And and oh so my point being, this was a person who was intimately acquainted with the rabbinate, who was clear that such honesty is not even, even in the rabbinate, let alone in business. And this is, so that's a, I think, underlying theme of many of these that what we're supposed to be doing, the wise course of action. And the wise course of action, the proper course of action i can 't promise you, and the second I promise you that tomorrow it'll make you richer or more successful. It is that it will eventually make one more successful, but eventually is a hard word in these contexts Mishpat, the plunder of uh, the violence of the wickedness with the Jps has sweeps them away it 'll eventually come back to bite them Rashi thinks it means it'll uh, make them afraid, I think, because they have refused to do justice. So if you build a society based on violence and everybody taking what they can, you're only as secure as your current strength, and that will eventually go away, and then you have problems. So the J.P.S. says it as the way of a man may be torturous and strange, tortuous and strange, though his actions are blameless and proper. They understand it all going together. I think Rashi understands it as two sides of it. That a person who is a zar, who leaves mitzvot, then his way is ha'fafach and strange and, and goes inconsistently. Whereas, z'ach, y'ashar, lo, that a really cleansed person, a really proper person, he... We'll always do yashar paolo. We'll do what's right in every situation. We'll follow that path. So the simple meaning, as JPS says it is, that it's dwelling in the corner of a roof is better than a contentious wife, and then they have it as in a spacious house. Spacious house. The, the says that it's not a spacious house. It's a spacious house. So Rashi's reading it differently. So two ways to read the passage so far. One is that it's better to have a small little corner of the house alone or with a good family situation rather than having a contentious household in which the spouses are fighting. So the JPS says it is, and that can't make up for the fact that you'll then have a large house. Meaning it's better to be in some sense poor or living in straightened circumstances than having a contentious household where the spouses are fighting each other. Rashi thinks not only that, it's that it's that if you have a contentious household, it's also dangerous, not just that it's unpleasant, but it's dangerous because it might lead a person to then flee his own household and then go into his friend's household. And in the context of being there, develop a relationship with the man's wife and a, close, a closeness with it. And then who knows what could happen from there. Rashi does not elaborate. But that's the problem with the Beit Haver. With, uh, well, that's the problem with the, the household in which is contention. Then Rashi quotes a majesh Agada. That it's a prophesying that eventually God's presence will leave the Jewish people, right? we Will go to the peanut gag rather than being with the Eishim Midenim, because we're like the Eishim Midenim, because our behavior produces contention and strife. And the Beit Chaver then is the Beit Shemachabrim Boreim. That rather than stay in a Beit Hamikdash where there's Chaver, so here Chaver means a friend. In that the Jewish people brought competitors or colleagues, which is obviously ridiculous but colleagues, as it were, for Hashem, they brought idols, and that rather than do that, Hashem would restrict himself to a very small presence in the world. That's what Rashi says. He gives you the pshat that he sees it, and then he gives you the Midrash uh, the midrash in Tehillim. I just wonder whether Rashi might not be implying, or implicit in Rashi's words, might not be the possibility that our marriages and the way they work have some reflection in the way Hashem relates to the world, and that would explain Shira Shirim as well, the whole book of which is Um, built on that model of romance and the relationship between a man and wife is being very much reflective of something about our relationship with Hashem, and that's a topic that maybe if we ever learn share together, we'll have a chance to explore at greater depth to think about that, uh, that parallel. In any case, here, it's suggesting that both at the plain sense level and at the relationship with Hashem level, having a contentious household and having fights with one's spouse is a problem, and it's better to uh remove oneself from it and live it or or to have a very small a much smaller area and to be removed from that kind of then to stay there. So the JPS has when a scoffer the desire I'm sorry. Yeah the desire of the wicked is set upon evil. His fellow man finds no favor in his eyes. Re neg Nefesh Rashah Ivita Radlo Y Khanve Navar Eho, meaning that a Rashah is just wants the he just wants what he wants. He just wants uh the, the evil that he's trying to get to, and so he doesn't really care that much about his friend. There is no such thing as friends. Really, friends are just people who are available to help him get what he wants, and that's part of, that self-centeredness and that focus on one's own desires is part of the nature of evil, at least in this parak, at least in Rashi. This is something we've seen before in other chapters, that when the lates, when the evildoers, or the scoffers, or the cynics get punished, the Pta'im, at least, those who are not evil but unlearned, will take their lesson and they will learn from there and realize that it's time for them to be shav b'tshuva, to repent, whereas if haskil has but when it happens to chacham, when a wise man is taught, he gains insight, meaning chacham himself will get insight. The late's when he gets the yisur and when he gets the punishment will not get anything out of it, but the, so some who witness it might learn their lesson from it. So it might be that, let's say, just to use because I've already used him, but let's say Let's suppose for a second that what they say about Madoff is true, and that Madoff is a person who's really just a Rasha. So the odds that he'll learn from his experience are very minimal, but there may be many people who were involved in the financial world who will learn lessons from this and will learn that better ways of, assuming that there's a, such a thing as chuvah within the financial world, they'll learn better ways of running their finances, and running their businesses, and running their... Business activities. Similar idea would be within the world of Vodat Hashem. You see the punishment of real late tzim, okay. they themselves will not be able to get the lesson, but maybe people around them will be able to. And then when it comes to Chachamim, who are not going to be doing things like that to begin with, so they'll be being taught a much uh, at a much higher level of the lessons that need to be learned, but they will learn it themselves. Pasuk Yedbet, Maskil Sadig Levit a Misalev Vishayim lara the righteous one observes the house of the wicked man, he subverts the wicked to their ruin. Right? The righteous one observes the house of the wicked man, he subverts the wicked to their ruin. So Rashi says, well, who's this tzaddik, right? How do you have a tzaddik doing things to the rishaim? So he says, no, it's tzaddikoshala ulam. It's, it's God, and God will give his heart to destroy, his attention as it were, to destroy the house of the, of the wicked. And then Rashid Gaz is an example, Gagon, Zecher, Amalek. So that's a theme, again, that, in, I, that I think in modern Judaism is, is somewhat tamped down because it doesn't fit Western culture. But there is a, a strand of Jewish experience, which is that when it comes to certain kinds of evils that we believe they are going to be completely destroyed and completely wiped out such that their memory needs to be blotted out from the world. I will note that Rabbi Saldovich, Zecher, Shachat, I used to speak about The Nazis and the Communists as being a malek, and students of his, uh, such as one of my Reb Ezra Bick, have claimed that they think the Rev was not just being homiletical, but the Rev really meant it in some way. The Rev thought that those who spiritually follow that path earn the title of Amalek and therefore we'll get the same kind of blotting out or we'll deserve the same kind of blotting out that was true of Amalek and that's part of what's going on in this passage we're actually saying that's what Hashem does Hashem turns attention to evil to really blot it out and that is what happens to it and the theory would be that everyone else would learn from that as since we have Amalek in every generation it seems like we don't learn so well or somebody doesn't learn so well but that's at least the possibility. So passage that if you turn away from people who are calling out in need then it'll happen to you as well. It's sort of a me idea of getting paid back in the ways that you act. It's uh, the famous story of the pastor, uh, I forget his name, at the time of the Nazis, who wrote that uh, poem about they came for so-and-so, but I didn't pay attention because I wasn't them, and they came for them, and I didn't. And by the time they came for me, there was nobody to call out. So that's what the Puzzle Yudgimbo was saying as well, the same exact thing, that if you don't pay attention to other people's problems, that's a problem in and of itself. When other people are suffering, we need to be turning our attention to their suffering if only and that's not the best reason, but if only out of self interest of knowing that we want people to turn to our suffering as well. Matan So Matan Baseita meaning staqa that you give is going to turn away anger. So bachek Sarash is also means stakha, it will also it will it will it will suppress even deep anger. A gift and secret subdued anger are present in private, even fierce rage. that's the power of stakka tzedakah given properly and appropriately, but that's the power of tzedakah, that it can turn away Hashem's rage. If we really are caring and worrying about others, then that has powers that we often, perhaps, don't pay nearly enough attention to. Pasuk uh, Asot Mishpat the So, that the plainest sense, uh, the JPS sense, justice done is a joy to the righteous to evildoers, it's ruination. That it's not only that the righteous, just people, the righteous, do just things and the evil doers do evil things. It's that they have an emotional connection to each of those. The righteous enjoy; they get they have pleasure out of doing that. Similarly, Rashi says, "Hakadosh Baruch enjoys giving din Sadikim. Din Sadikim here means punishing them in this world, so that when they get to the next world, they will get only only their reward, they'll only get only greatness. So that is a striking thing. It's not only that the righteous will enjoy doing it, but here, it's Hashem will enjoy doing, and here it means a painful thing. So mishpat is something that hurts. It's going to hurt the tzaddikim in the short term, but will give them greater reward in the long term, or not greater, but better reward, because it'll come in the next world. And then also, it's a simchat of the that the Ganesh Baruch who brings because they know they're going to get, that's the major to them. they know that they're going to get then a better reward, or longer, or more perfect reward in the world to come. Whereas for Rishaim Mechitahi. So Mechitah meant ruination, but Rashi is Mechitah because they get the Yisirim and they don't do anything with them. It's just suffering. So people talk about, you know, why does God bring suffering on people? And one answer might be that they teach us lessons so we can learn and we can improve, we can this, and we can that. But that depends on our reaction to them. And if somebody gets suffering and doesn't change by virtue of the suffering, then it's almost a waste of time. It's just painful. And then maybe it is meaningless in some sense. So, that's a challenge within the Pasuk. We're actually saying that uh, Tadikim gets some joy out of it because they understand and they know they learn, A, they'll learn their lessons and they may improve. B, they will know that this is coming at, uh, as a way of wiping away some of their slate of sins in this world. And therefore, in the next world, they'll get purity of reward. The Rishim don't get any of that. And therefore, the whole thing for them is just a time of pain and trouble. Pasuk design Adam to emiderech haskel has Haskel, I think, b'khal rifa'im yanuach. If a sorry, if a person tr- uh, strays from the path of prudence, will rest. JPS says it has, we have b'khal rifa'im yanuach, but Rashi says it has that gehinom, and the JPS says it is in the company of ghosts, meaning. So if you leave the path of now in the in the Mishle itself, it's miderach haskel from the properly thought out path, Rashi has it as from the path of Torah. Adam Haporish ha Torah. If you leave the path of Torah, you're going to join those who live in Gainom, those who are getting their punishments for the things they did wrong. So Ish-machsar is in the JPS a person he who loves pleasure will come to want. Each So that, in other words, that simcha, somebody enjoys having too much pleasure, is somebody who will come to want. Rashi has the same way. Misho mish simcha, enjoys too much, just enjoying things, enjoying wine and oil and the luxuries of life, so they will never be rich and they will never, and they will eventually come to want because they're not living moderate, prudent lives, which is a clear underlying theme of the book of Mishli. That's what we're supposed to be doing. V'tachat Rishaim bogeid. So the JPS has it as the wicked are the ransom of the righteous. The traitor comes in place of the upright. And Rashi says it exactly that way. There is certainly this belief within some Jewish writings, you know, Gemaras and stuff like that, that support this idea that a tzaddik is nechalat. A tzaddik will be saved from evils that might happen to him, and the rasha will come in his stead, at least in certain circumstances. And then Rashi says, like Mordechai and Haman. Mordechai was scheduled, by Haman at least, for hanging, and it, it turned around on Haman became home and became Haman who did it. And that is what Pasuk Yisrael is saying according to Rashi, that that's the way the world works. That the wicked are really out there and they are available to be the ransom, to stand in the stead of the righteous before the righteous would have gotten some kind of a punishment, some kind of time of trouble. Pasuk tov shevet be'aret midbar, me'eshet midyanim vacha Similar to, an earlier passage in this berak, it's better to live in the desert than with a contentious, vexatious wife. says. In other words, we saw before that Rashi read it as being about Hashem leaving. It again raises that question of the relationship between marital satisfaction and marital issues and the relationship between the Jewish people and God. Rashi is seeing them as being very similar, and then the pasuk is saying both the mashal and the melikah. It's that that both that having a contentious marital life where the spouses are in a fight with each other is a problem uh and it's better to almost live alone and be in the desert than that and it certainly reflects our relationship with hashem which would mean in both cases somebody who paid attention to this puzzle and mislay and who really took it to heart would work on improving both of those areas of life either if they or don't yet have Um, well-working and pleasurable and enjoyable marital interactions, that would be an important thing to work on, because Mishnah is clearly saying it's a hard thing to live with, it's a hard thing to suffer through, and then the second half of it would be, or the other aspect of it would be, according to Rashi, making sure that we can do that with our relationship with Hashem as well to improve it, so that we don't have to suffer Hashem choosing, which we are currently suffering, Hashem choosing to live, as it were, in the desert or in the corner of the roof, rather than live with us that uh, right it's a beautiful treasure, precious treasure, and oil are in the house of the wise man, and a fool of a man will run through them Rash says it's not a fool of a man, it's the foolishness of a person, meaning if you have wealth and you have some kind of of storehouse and you have some kind of good objects in life. Then it's only your foolishness that will lead you to lose them. If you live prudently, you will have them. If you chase after actions of charity and kindness, you will find life and also and righteousness, charity and honor. Again, I would add the word. I would add the word. Eventually, but that's what the pasuk is saying. Rashi doesn't comment, and so we'll move on. The one wise man prevailed over a city of warriors and brought down its mighty stronghold. This is almost like the uh, example of Archimedes who comes up with stratagems for the Greeks to destroy it. But the idea being that you can have this one wise man and he can uh, conquer, get around even the best defenses of all city. Rashi, however, reads it in terms of, not so much in terms of war, uh, in terms, uh, not so much in terms of war, but in terms of Moshe Rabenu going up to Shemaim, going up to heaven to bring down from it the Torah, where the angels, who are Gibor and were are seen as being very strong and very powerful, the angels were resistant to that idea. The angels thought that people were not worthy of Torah, and that Moshe Rabbeinu managed to get their, uh, get their, to pillage them, to get their booty that they were trying to hold on to, their treasure, in their storehouses, and Moshe Rabbeinu tried to do that. So that's actually reading this public not only about war, it may be true in war, but it was true in our history, and worth remembering that we come, and we started out as a people with this leader, Who is able to do this for us? He guards his mouth and tongue, guards himself from trouble. Rashi doesn't comment. I think it's a self-explanatory pasuk. Although those might be the most dangerous because we go leave them too quickly. But if you watch what you're saying, if you pay attention to what you're saying, if you weigh what you're saying carefully, that's a way to avoid a great deal of trouble. The proud, insolent man, scoffer is his name, he acts in a frenzy of insolence. Right? So, Yahir rushes a gasruach. So, gasruach is somebody who thinks too highly of himself, is it arrogant and conceited. So, folio lates. From that arrogance, you come to be a scoffer. She you know, chash musar, because you don't bother listening to musar to critique. So, that openness to others' critiques, that openness to understanding that there are things about us that need to be perfected still. And to weigh uh, even if it comes from a source that's perhaps not uh, the best, where the person doesn't have the right to level that critique, nonetheless, the ability to check ourselves and to worry about ourselves and to be aware of the fact that we might need improvement, that, that's an important thing. And those who are so confident of their perfection, they don't, or they're so insecure that they refuse to listen, so all those people would fit into this Pasuk, and they they are the ones who will become Leitzim, and as we've seen many times before, the Leitzim are the hardest ones to reach, because they refuse to be reached, and then they have the most trouble improving themselves. Pasuk the, the, um, Hafei, The cravings of a lazy man he kills him, for his hands refuse to work, and he wants stuff so that he's going to be stuck Rashi doesn't comment but he's going to be stuck he wants things very much he's he long, longing yearning hoping for things but um, but he has no oomph. Uh, he has no ability to get himself to go and actually secure and get those things that he needs and that he wants and therefore it's going to create great problems and great tension for him all the day long he is seized with his cravings while the righteous man gives without stint Meaning, meaning that Rashi understands as being a question of the atzel, doesn't move himself and doesn't hasn't earned any divine providence in getting certain things. Whereas, the, uh, the, the Tzaddik will do the right thing, but in addition to which Hashem will help him out will help him get the things that he that he wants and needs. The sacrifice to wicked is an abomination the more so as he offers it in depravity. So Rashi uh, just says, In other words, sometimes people who are evildoers will bring sacrifices. So one aspect would be if they bring a sacrifice, and in this particular sacrifice, they are intent on, they actually do want to give it for the right reasons. So the example, an example is if somebody wants to give a sacrifice, but they haven't really repented of their action, we don't accept that sacrifice. That's where we, we invoke this process. Similarly, let's suppose somebody uh, often does a certain kind of a sin. They eat leavened bread, chametz on Pesach regularly, and they don't care. But one time, they did it by accident. They didn't realize that it was Pesach, or they didn't realize it was leavened bread when they did it. And they say, oh, I want to bring a carbon for this time. But they do it regularly. They, this is not a, a, a sin that they... Tend to avoid. So there too, we might invoke the principle of Zevak Rishaim Toeva. But the Master points out there are also times when Rishaim offer sacrifices and even within the sacrifice, they don't intend good, they intend evil. The example he offers is Bilam and Balak, who offer sacrifices to God, but the whole point was to try to, in some crazy way, control <laughs> God and make God curse the Jewish people. So that's even that's even worse. A more of an example of that. So that's a puzzle about sacrifices and about our relationship to God and how we can't pretend that we'll be evil in one area and God will accept us fully in another area. It just doesn't work that way. Pesuk Lanetzach False Witness Is Doom but one who really heard will testify with success. Shomeya lanetzach idabera. She says, "Is shomeya, she'gibel ma'shek atub batara lo tanebereachan, lanetzach will always be able to speak. In other words, he will have a lasting presence in the world of of testimony. So that, therefore, clearly the Pazik is saying, don't testify falsely, just testify to what you've actually heard. Pazik havetet. He'ez ish rashah b'fanav v'yashar huyavin darko. An ish rashah, uh, demonstrates his azut, his brazenness in the time of his anger because he just lets it all out. He just tells people everything that is angry. Whereas, bifanav uh, af, he, he lets his anger out fully. Whereas a yashar, a righteous, an upright person, an, an, a person with integrity, will pick carefully how he handles even his anger. So, uh, the wicked man is brazen-faced, right? And the righteous man picks out how to do it. Pasek lamid there is no wisdom, there is no insight, there is no counsel uh, when it comes to opposite Hashem, in other words Rashi points out you can't think of yourself as being wise as it compares to Hashem and if there is any situation of <laughs> of desecration of sacrilege to God's name then our own in- in- interest, our own insights, our own sense of ourselves can't come into play there. And this actually has a halakhic ramification. This is the source of a halakha that if somebody finds themselves to be violating something in public, they're not allowed to cover a brio, doesn't come into play there if it's a do-right prohibition. So for example, if somebody would be wearing shotness uh, do-right, and it's not so easy to find do-right to anymore, but let's say somebody found Torah-level shatnas on them, they'd have to take that clothing off. Oh, you'll tell me it's embarrassing to be naked in public. That may be true, but this pasuk is what we would invoke. <speaking> in <Hebrew> The negative Hashem. Just, there, there is no such thing as saying, "Well, my my needs are more important uh, than God's needs." And that's a, again, I think, another example. I believe of an ethos of a underlying principles that are very often lost, even among those who are to or Mitzvos. The idea that rock bottom Hashem matters more than we do, and rock bottom, if it's a con- if it's a conflict between the two, we have to put Hashem's as it were needs. Not needs isn't the right word, but Hashem's picture of the way the world should work. Uh, first and above us, that's what this blessing is reminding us, and Allah takes it very seriously. I remember, you know, in Yeshiva years ago, people talking about the fact that it's actually, the following is an actual question. There is a Gemara that suggests that, that um, if one needs to use the facilities, if one has bodily needs to, to use the facilities, that, uh, restraining yourself and uh, holding it in, as it were, is a violation of Balteshach's, of a uh, violation of a Torah prohibition of not creating an abomination within yourself. If you took that seriously, and we end up not doing so, but if you took that seriously, somebody pointed out, then it might have to be that as soon as you felt the need to go, even if you were in public, you wouldn't even be able to wait long enough to find a private place, to find a bathroom in which to relieve oneself. We don't end up passing that way, but that is the kind of idea and the kind of a question that comes up in terms of the Aleph, Sus Lyom Milchama the horse is ready for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord, very much echoing the previous passage, in that we have to always remember that we are supposed to, we need to do, we need to make our efforts in this world, but we also have to carry around the idea that the ultimate source of salvation, the ultimate source of success is HaKadosh Baruch. Have a great day.